Welcome to Real Estate Investing in the Real World Podcast. The topic of this episode is, what do you do when a buyer, a seller, a real estate agent is angry with you and threatening litigation? How do you handle real estate conflict? Well, in this I'm going to share with you five principles to help you overcome your real estate conflicts as quickly and easily as possible so you can get back to doing deals and avoid the time, the cost, and the stress of prolonged disputes. Oftentimes, newcomers to real estate think that if they're absolutely perfect, that if they never do anything wrong, that they can avoid conflict altogether. Well, I've got news for those naive individuals. The more deals you do, the more active you are, the more likely you are to run into conflict, even if you're not at fault for anything. It's just the nature of society today. Now, I don't think that that means you should run away from real estate altogether. It means you need a way in which to resolve conflict quickly and easily because that way you can enjoy all the benefits of real estate investing without having to deal with the drawbacks of the inevitable conflicts that may occur. I was actually quite surprised by how little resources there are available for this incredibly important topic. Now this is actually a quite a prescient time for me to share this as well because between the pandemic and the police brutality and the political and social unrest uh, there is a whole lot of people on edge right now. In fact, small example, I was talking with my surveyor the other day. He said this is in his 35 years as a surveyor, he's never been more busy with small residential work than he is right now because of so many neighbors squabbling over their property lines and the disputes because they're all sitting at home and they have nothing else better to do and they're on edge. So right now is a great time to teach you these five principles on handling, resolving real estate conflict. Principle number one. I'm going to ask you a simple question. Do you want to be right or rich? In almost any conflict, you're going to have to ask yourself that question. Now, let's break this down. One of the things that the most successful real estate operators do is that they swallow their pride, they are void of arrogance, and they have no interest or need to be right in the conflict. They don't care about this part. They care about which part of the, which direction can they go in, which is going to save them the most money or make them the most money. And so they want to be rich, not right. Now the opposite is true of almost all people. And you've heard at some point in many conflicts, people use the phrase, it's no longer about the money, it's about the principle. Okay, when you start saying that, as a real estate entrepreneur, you are now in this category. You're trying to be right, not rich. An example from, uh, from a movie series, Back to the Future. If you recall, Marty McFly, the main character, one of his fatal flaws was that uh, if someone said, uh, what are you, McFly, a chicken? You know what Marty McFly would say? Nobody calls me chicken. Okay, you can't act like that as a real estate entrepreneur. The first and most important rule of resolving conflict is to go toward the option of being rich and not worrying about being right. So that means that if everyone in a deal is calling you a chicken and you walk away with $50,000, that means you want to be rich and let everybody call you a chicken. Who cares? 
So you don't want to focus on what's right. You want to focus on what's being most economically productive. The best example I can give you is let's say, for example, you have a traditional rental and you have a tenant in there that hasn't paid you and they have lied to you and now they've trashed the place. They've moved some dogs in there. They've done all kinds of things that make you mad. And so you want to teach them a lesson. So you hire that eviction attorney and you go through the long drawn out process of the legal eviction um, and, and it goes to court and it takes a while when you could have simply told that tenant, look, I'll pay you $1,000, but you need to get out right now. Now, you wouldn't have taught them a lesson, would you? You wouldn't have been right, would you? Because the tenant's the one that broke the law. They're the ones that broke the agreement with you. But what you did is you took the route that was far more economically productive. You gave that tenant $1,000, even though they trashed your place, to get them out of there. I call that a friendly eviction. That's what I've, I've done my entire career. It's so much faster and so much cheaper than going through the legal eviction process. And it works almost every time, not all the time, because sometimes the tenant would rather be right than rich too. <laughs> all right, so that's principle number one. Would you rather be right or rich? Principle number two is to remove emotions. Now that's a lot easier said than done, and yours truly may have broken this principle before in his career, but through a lot of time and maturity, I have discovered how powerful this is. First of all, when you remove emotions, and typically those emotions are going to be fear, right? You're fearful that what if you did something wrong? What if the deal falls apart? Um, when you remove emotions, you're allowed to think a lot more clearly. When you allow your emotions to run rampant, you can make all kinds of bad decisions. Some people, when they're fearful, they, uh, they, they just fall apart, right? They just want to give the deal back. They want to drop the price by $10,000, and, and they just overall turn into a pansy. You don't want to do that. Remember, the, there's, the, the only way to get run over in life is to first lay down. So don't lay down. Hold your ground. All right, so removing emotions is helpful because it keeps you steady, right, in your decision-making. Another thing is what happens if you get angry, which happens to be what I've done before. <laughs> when, when you feel like there's a problem and you feel like you've been wrong, you feel like someone's trying to take advantage of you, like a seller, a buyer, a real estate agent, just whomever's in the deal, um, then if you get angry, you could also do one more thing, and that creates a whole new problem, and that is you could take it to the personal level. And so by you taking to the personal level, you then offend that person. And now they're even more fixed in their position to, to, to battle. They're more likely to even focus on being right than, than being rich than ever before. So what you've got to do is keep it calm, cool, and collected while holding your ground. Because that way you keep it on a business level and you're able to think clearly and the more calm you are, the more likely the other person will eventually become calm. They might start off angry because that might be part of their negotiating strategy. They might be ranting and raving and it might all be what I call a smoke screen because they're trying to get you to, uh, to uh, fluster. And you don't. You say, well, I, you know, I, I apologize for our miscommunication. Okay, so I know you want to buy this house. I know I want to sell this house. This seems like this is a great fit for us both. Uh, obviously, from the inspection, you have a few concerns about the electrical. Uh, I want to make sure that we get all those concerns uh, satiated. But uh, also, we don't need to rewire the whole house. There's a lot of great wires in there. It's all Romex. There's, there's great light fixtures. There's great receptacles. We just need to deal with a few of the things in the breaker box. So how do we, how do we get this resolved, right? So you keep it calm and you, you focus on resolution and you remove emotion completely. Again, a lot easier said than done, but incredibly powerful principle to resolve conflict in real estate. Principle number three is to avoid litigation. Have you ever heard the phrase, 
I'm going to sue you for everything you're worth. If you have, you're probably hearing that from someone who knows nothing about litigation. Okay, maybe they went through some personal injury attorney who got paid uh, from the settlement. But in real estate, attorneys are paid by the hour. And what happens in litigation in real estate is this. Only the attorneys win. Always. No matter what the verdict is. No matter what the outcome is. No matter, no matter who's the plaintiff, who's the defendant, no matter what the judge uh, uh, finally decides, it, it doesn't matter. Only the attorneys win. I've watched this my entire career. At the end of the day, the attorneys get all of their fees back and both parties are mad. Neither party gets what they wanted in litigation. In fact, that's why all of my agreements call for arbitration. I won't even let the potential dispute even ever get to a court system because it takes too long. Now, thankfully, I have never actually had any dispute go all the way to arbitration ever. I've always settled. I've always mediated. I've always got it done. And, and I've always focused on being rich rather than being right. So avoiding litigation, I also want to mention this. I think it's incredibly important that you try first to avoid even getting attorneys involved, if possible. And I'll give you an exa example of that where there's a big exception to that. But with attorneys, again, the problem is they're getting paid by the hour. And no matter how good your attorney is, and I'm about to share with you how to find the best attorneys depending on the conflict, but no matter how good they are, they're still paid by the hour. And so there is an inherent conflict of interest between you and your attorney and their attorney. There's a conflict because the longer it drags out, the more money the attorney makes. And let me tell you, these attorneys, they make money for every email you send them, every call you have with them, every text, and anything else that the other side does and sends to them. And these bills can just roll out of control so quickly. So the idea is to try to first work it out between the parties before the attorneys get involved. And in fact, I share this in any situations where, where people are, are, are uh, potentially litigious. I'll say, do you have any idea how much money you're going to have to spend on legal fees and how much I'm going to have to spend on legal fees? Because it, it just doesn't make sense for us to even go down that road. Let's resolve this. You need the more money, a lot more than that attorney uh, needs the money to get his BMW payments made for, for the next month. Let's focus on getting this accomplished. And let's not worry about getting all these attorneys that already have plenty of money, giving them more money. Those are the kind of statements I have to tell people sometimes in situations. And a lot of times it's me working with my apprentices at this point. It's pretty rare I deal with clients conflicts anymore. But if it ever does happen, my first goal is to make sure that the other side doesn't ever get cooked up in their head. A good idea is to hire an attorney and go after a lawsuit. That stuff, it just doesn't work in the real world. So there is one exception to this rule of not getting attorneys involved right away and trying to work it out before the attorneys get involved. Now, the rule of avoid litigation still holds true in this example. But when it comes to hiring an attorney, this, you always want to hire an attorney anytime the following ever happens. If a conflict is instigated, if an investigation is instigated, whereby a government authority is involved, a local government, state government, federal government, any government-related authority, get an attorney involved. Because the government's a whole different animal. They don't care about being economically productive. They don't have to worry about balancing the budget. What do they care? They'll get their money from somewhere. They'll, they'll increase taxes. They will, they will print money. No, what they care about is that they've got a set of laws, and they're going to show that they need to enforce those laws. And they have an unlimited amount of legal budget. right? They have people that sit around that are on, that are on staff as attorneys that are looking for something to do all day. 
So the government is a very dangerous animal in the world of real estate conflict. So this is an important sentence that you probably have heard before if you've watched the cop show. And that is, anything you say can and will be used against you. Let me break that down. Anything you say, anything that comes out of your mouth, can and will be. It will be. Whatever's come out of your mouth will be what? Will be what? Used against you. Not used for you. Not you can talk your way out of it. Not it's all going to be just fine. No, anything you say can be used against you. So what does that mean? That means that if there's a government authority involved, you say nothing and you hire an attorney to do all of the correspondence. I know it's not fair. It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the government's supposed to be supposed to serve us, not the other way around. But look, it's our fault. We've created a gigantic government system over these hundreds of years here in the United States. It's our darn fault as a society. We've created a monster, and that monster is difficult at this point to deal with. All right, so um, I'll give you a perfect example of, of this exact uh, situation. This guy I know real well, when he moved from Tennessee to Florida, uh, and he had just settled into his home, well, it wasn't too long after that he was having fun with a hedge trimmer. And he trimmed uh, a plant that he thought was like every other plant because he was new to the area. But it turned out it was a protected plant. It was a mangrove. And mangroves uh, carry a fine of $500 per little branch you clip off. That's the first offense. Now, it just so happened that this individual's next-door neighbor was on the Mangrove Preservation Association and happened to be outside with their lawn work on the exact same day and saw this, this act take place. So they felt it was their duty to call the Environmental Protection Agency to, to let them know about the horrible act of, of hedging a mangrove with their neighbor. Now, you might be saying, but what if it was on your property, Phil? Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's a protected plant. You can't touch it. So, the EPA called this individual, and did, what did this individual do? Hello? Hello? I'm, I'm sorry, who is this? Uh, can, I, can, can I take a message? Took a message, and then promptly did the following. Went to the computer, began to research the topic, discovered that other landowners in Florida have run into the same thing. In fact, one individual in particular had a $3 million fine against him. And what did he do? He hired an attorney. That attorney was able to negotiate the $3 million down to $10,000. So what did our little individual in this story do, this person I know so well? Well, he called that same attorney. That took that $3 million down to ten. told the whole story to him. The attorney did all the talking with the EPA. And in the end, there was no fines whatsoever, just a slap on the wrist. And for you plant lovers out there, which I am one of those, I love plants. In fact, I own hundreds of acres and I, you wouldn't believe all the stuff I own. But um, in the end, the trimming of that mangrove was actually healthy for the plant because that pruning actually helped it it flourish. So in the end, that mangrove is absolutely enormous at this point, because again, this person I know so well, I've been to his property a bunch of times, and uh, it turned out all for the better. So in the end, what's the lesson? We try to avoid attorneys whenever possible with private individuals. We certainly try to avoid litigation no matter what. But if you're dealing with a conflict instigated by a government authority of any type, Hire an attorney to do all of your talking. Don't email them. Don't call them. Don't talk to them. Look, you get pulled over by a police officer, keep your hands on the wheel and keep your mouth shut. Do you know how fast you're going, sir? 
License and registration, sir. You get that license or say you get you keep your mouth shut. Because anything you say can will be used against you. It's never used for you. All right. There's a powerful lesson on how to, how to resolve conflict in real estate. Principle number four is about attorney selection. So let's say, for example, you have to get an attorney involved. Which one do you select? Well, a lot of times what people do is they work with someone they know. I got a friend, a family friend, they've been, they've been an attorney for, for years, I trust them, I like them, all those things. Well, here's the problem. With attorneys, in real estate anyways, especially if you're talking about land use, development, EPA, those kind of things, what's going to have to happen? is oftentimes you're going to have to pay them to research the subject. That is brutal. Now you're paying them money to educate them on what should be their job. But you have to pay them for the time that they're researching. Now think about your job. Think about what you do in life. As a real estate investor, we don't get paid extra every time we research a property as an investor. It's just part of our job, right? That's not the way it works with attorneys. It's not just their correspondence with you. It's any time they're thinking about their case, your case, they're going to be charging you. So you need to focus on somebody who is, is going to have already obtained that knowledge. So my argument is when it comes to attorney selection, choose the attorney that's already been down that road. Chances are whatever your conflict is, someone else has already been down that road and probably it's happened many, many times. So use Google to research that subject matter, to look for cases, to look for articles where this stuff has already happened. A very common example would be realist, uh, would be vacation rentals. Right now that is a hotly contested legal battle in many municipalities, many cities, many counties across America as the government is, is, is trying to impose more rules on vacation rentals. Uh, and that's mostly because of the hotel lobbyists. There's a lot of power in hotel lobbying. And they are constantly taking these people uh, golfing into dinner. And they're telling these government officials how insidious and how terrible vacation rentals are. All because they're trying to protect uh, their, their hotels. And so what's happening is there are a few attorneys that are working on these massive cases for vacation rentals. And those are the ones you want to work with if you have a vacation rental issue, for example. Don't hire your friend that's a good attorney and who's never gone down that road before because you're going to have to pay him for all the education as opposed to the other person, the other attorney you're looking at in that article you just read, and somebody else paid him $30,000 to learn all these lessons so you don't have to. Now that goes the same for things like evictions. If you're a landlord, the best eviction attorney to work with, this is a simple little tip, is to go to, whether it's online or you have to go in person or you have to call because you don't want to go in person right now, and you want to find out on the eviction docket which attorney's names show up the most. You'll see in every county there's a few names that are the most popular, that do the most evictions for the majority of the apartment buildings, for example. And those are the eviction attorneys that know their stuff. They're the ones that take the, the judge fishing or hunting on the weekends, and, and they really know the drill. Those are the ones you want to work with. So you'll end up working with a lot of different attorneys with this strategy. But what will end up happening is it'll be a heck of a lot less expensive and you will get a lot more done because you're working with someone who's already learned the lessons the hard way and you're not teaching somebody from the ground up some legal issue that they should have already known. You shouldn't be paying for somebody that, that doesn't even know what they're doing but might be a good attorney. So 
If you choose wisely with your attorney, that's going to save you a lot of money. And furthermore, it could reduce the conflict quite quickly because the attorney might know the subject matter so quickly. They might say, hey, look, if you, uh, if you go down this road, you're going to run into a whole new problem you never imagined. And that is that, you know, they'll prolong this. I've seen this happen before. Then you'll have to take it to the appellate court. That'll take another amount of time. So again, work with an experienced attorney, somebody who's already been down that road. Principle number five. My mentor's mother taught me this. She was an incredibly successful real estate agent. She taught me this. She said, your attorney, or you can say your doctor, your chiropractor, you, you just fill in the professional name, your painter, your attorney is only as good as you are. That means that when you hire a professional, an attorney at $200, $300, $500 an hour, you are still their boss. You are still the leader. And so it is your responsibility to fully understand the strategy, understand the law, that let the attorney, the good one that you hired, teach you about it so you can lead them. So you can ask the right questions. Have we ever have we thought about that? Could we try this? Why are we going that route? That seems like a really expensive way to go. What if we just did this? I can't tell you the number of times with the attorneys I've worked with through all the years that I ask questions where at the end of the day their answer is, well, you could do that if you wanted to. I'm like, well, that seems like the shortest route to get this done. I'm like, yeah, it probably could be. Do you think it'll work? I'm like, well, why don't we try? So it doesn't mean that you're necessarily smarter on the specific aspects of law than the attorney, but that attorney you hired can teach you so you can begin to make more high-level decisions. You can look at the situation from a different lens. Because remember, the attorney gets paid the longer the conflict draws out. Even if they say to you, hey, look, you know, if we go this route, it's going to take longer. This is the faster route. I don't want to waste your money. I hear that phrase a lot. I don't want to waste your money. That's, that's code for I want to waste your money, right? And look, it's just real world, right? I'm not talking about good versus bad attorneys. I'm just talking about just a, there's an inherent conflict of interest between the attorney and their client. Because ultimately, we, we get our resolution done uh, better if we get it done faster. And attorneys uh, make more money if they drag things out. So, your attorney is only as good as you are. You want, to, you want to dive deep into the situations and understand them and be able to articulate your decisions to a friend, to a spouse, as to what's going on. And if you don't understand something, you've got to ask. You've got to get clarity, even if it costs a couple of bucks extra to get clarity, because ultimately you're the one in charge, just like you're the one in charge when you hire a painter or when you hire a, a, a roofer or electrician or a plumber. You're hiring an attorney. They are working for you. You need to lead them and lead them wisely. All right, y'all. Well, I hope this provides a plethora of nuggets on the wisdom that I've learned over 20 years as a real estate investor, having done thousands and thousands and thousands of deals. And this is what I've learned when it comes to conflict. So I hope this is hi highly helpful for you. Now, by the way, if you're brand new and some of this went over your head, I've got a great book, How to Be a Real Estate Investor, I give away for free. And that, I think, can be uh, highly advantageous to you to read, even if you're like, wait a minute, reading? That's so, you know, 1990s. Read it. It's great. And for those of you who are at the next level, I want you to read this book, Real Estate Investing Gone Bad. This teaches you what not to do in real estate, what has destroyed people over the years and things that you can avoid. I mean, the, the lessons here are absolutely invaluable. 
And if you want to be a, uh, become a first-class, market-leading, money-making machine of a real estate investor, consider my apprentice program where my team and I, we train, we guide, we coach, we take complete beginners, and we turn them into some of the finest real estate investors in North America.